Watch out, crooks and scammers. Toho Gang are joined by Ed from the One Piece podcast to explore the world of tax evasion and investigation in episode 46, A Taxing Woman. Hello and welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro, a Japanese film club podcast. I am your host for this episode, Alex, and with me as always are our co-hosts, Joey. Hello. And V. Hello. And uh, we have a special guest uh, on this episode. It's uh, it's Ed Lang from the One Piece podcast. And, uh <laughs> And it's from other various, various things. Ed, uh, tell the people about yourself and your experience with uh, just life in general, <laughs> Japanese culture, yada, yada. Sure. Well, um, we've been podcasting, you and I, Alex, together for yes. like the last... Well, the last, it's, what, it's like five or six years as you've been a host, but you came on the show, One Piece Podcast, back in like our first or second year. And um, yeah, that was back when I was really big into anime, I'd, but I'd actually been into Japanese film as well. I was a film studies minor in mm. college, didn't really know what to do with that, but I did get to take a bunch of interesting film classes and uh, Japanese film and culture, I think, was one of them. Um, so I got to watch... I was first introduced to Tommy Juzo there, Kira Kurosawa, and um, a few others. Uh, there was a some some interesting films of the '80s. I think that she chose like, you ever guys, you ever watched the Family Game? I thought that was a very good. Oh yeah, that's a very good movie. That I would also check out. And I was, I mean, uh, as being a big anime fan, you end up watching, I think, probably more Japanese film than just about anybody else, unless you're like a Japanese film. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's your that's your interest. Like you just sort of come into it. Um, sort of sideways, but, uh, you know, I, the thing I appreciate sort of about Japanese film, and I feel like it's sort of less these days, but there's, there's gems in there. I think there's a lot of social commentary in Japanese film. I think there's a, but there's a larger sort of being, um, it's sort of subsumed by the Japanese, uh, sort of entertainment monoculture. So their films I feel have gotten less interesting mm-hmm. over the last, but there are some gems that still make it through. And I think that current of social criticism was present in the two most prominent movies that I've seen from Japan in the last few years. And that was, um, Shin Godzilla and shoplifters. Right. Um, so I think, and I think there's more of that here. I don't know people. It seems like there was a lot of uh, the late eighties after all the money came in that there was, it felt like there was more freedom. I guess they were sort of like riding high after the decade of the eighties. Like the, in the eighties, Japan was treated like, China is now like the, mm-hmm. they were like being an economic threat to the U.S. by the end of the '80s. Like you can see it in Back to the Future, yeah. and um, yeah. So I, it's 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 interesting because like this is them like sort of coming to grips with like reckoning with their old this is their old culture because you can see like the condition. This is a rundown Tokyo. Mm-hmm. More oh. so than oh. yeah. Anyway, I, I, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know yeah, we can, get to, we can get to that. But movie specifics later. But yeah, yeah cool. Um, if I may ask, uh, when you were sure. uh, you know doing your film minor, what uh, Itami films had you seen at that point? I'd seen Tempopo. That was uh, that was the big one. And then I and then I, yeah. I sort of learned about what happened with him uh, afterwards. Um, yeah. Well, well. So we'll get to talking about okay. uh, the director in, in just a moment. Um, so uh, I guess uh, <laughs> I, I should have let off right right from the start, but the movie that we're going to be doing this episode is uh, is Juzu Itami's A Taxing Woman. Mm-hmm. 
uh, this movie, uh, I had not seen it prior to this. Um, this was a, a listener request. This was a listener request from you, Ed, actually. <laughs> so that's what kind of prompted uh, prompted us to sort of um, yeah. decide to do this. We were like, we can knock out a listener request and a guest episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that's yeah. Tommy, Tommy's, behind a, the curtain. Tommy's a great director. Yeah, we had uh, we had covered uh, two of his films previously on the podcast. We've covered Tempopo, and we've also covered uh, The Funeral. Mm. Uh, both both really great movies. Um, uh, Joey, did you have any prior? Uh, have you seen? Had you seen this before? Um, we uh, we decided to do this. No, I'd, I'd had it recommended to me outside of the podcast as well um, a few times, but never gotten around to it. I yeah, I was mostly familiar with Itami through Tom Popo, which I had seen several times um, in my life, and then uh, before covering it on the podcast, and then. Uh, the funeral was the second film of his that I'd seen, and then this is the third. Uh, how about you, V? Uh, I aside from seeing the uh, the poster with the glasses pop up on things suggesting like must watch Japanese film, I knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and Ed, had you seen this movie prior? <clears throat> no, I had not. I, although I thought I had heard about it, but it turns out I'd heard about another of his films. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I had gotten it confused with this one. This is probably why you may have heard me talk about it. I may have been talking about the wrong movie. Oh. Were you thinking of a taxing woman too? <laughs> no, I was, th- I was. I was thinking of Minbo. That's the movie oh, that okay. allegedly got him killed. Because apparently, oh yeah, that's a more serious Yakuza movie, isn't it? Well, it's no. It shows the Yakuza to be the craven, bumbling thugs that they are. It's an entire, it sounds like an, I haven't seen it. It sounds like an entire movie based around that scene in the middle of this movie where the boss goes to the tax office and sort Uh of, sort of throws his weight around, but also kind of, he's trying to project this, but he's, it's really just a grievance. He has a massive grievance and he's offended that they would call him a crook, you know, to his face. So it's, it's them trying to intimidate this, like this hotel owner uh, through extortion and stuff like that. And they did not care for that. So they attacked him in 1992 or I think what 92. Let me check this. I, I, this is an art from an article by Jake Adelstein, author of uh, Tokyo vice. If anyone's read that book and uh, mm-hmm. they're making an HBO series about it with the guy from baby driver. What? Yeah. Ansel Elgort as Jake. Well, I don't know if it's a, as Jake Adelstein, but it's Tokyo vice starring that guy. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> so let me just um, uh, yeah. while you're looking, I think I just it, it's interesting to see, to see that like perhaps there's going to be something, uh, you know, that people are going to like uh, so, you know, a piece of media that's going to uh, of you know uh, semi fictional, semi non fictional media that will be referring to uh, Itami by name at some point mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. All right, I found the paragraph I wanted to say here. Yeah, yeah, please. So uh, he's he's writing about someone who uh, got you know caught in the cross, like he got uh, tried to expose some of the yakuza's doings and got killed. But he, he writes here as a side note: it's a dangerous thing to expose the worst of the yakuza for what they are. Itami Juzo directed the first realistic film about the yakuza, Minbo, in 1992. Goto Gumi members attacked him for doing it, slashing his face. He would later tell the New York Times in an interview: they cut very slowly, they took their time, they could have killed me if they wanted to. Eventually, they did. On December 20th, 1997, after a weekly magazine wrote about his extramarital affair, he allegedly killed himself. But a former member of the Godogumi told Jake Adelstein in 2008, we set it up to stage his murder as a suicide. We took him up to the rooftop and put a gun in his face. We gave him a choice. Jump and you might live and stay or blow your face off. 
he jumped and he, he, he didn't live. So that's wow. that's the story. That's so he either killed himself after his extramarital affair was exposed or, you know, Yakuza gave him what they thought was coming to him. So it's yeah, that's interesting. That description of of the movie that he made as being the first like realistic depiction of the Yakuza, because like our previous episode uh, right before this, we covered the first battles without honor and humanity. And that's often like heralded as this like very realistic look at the Yakuza that doesn't um, glorify it as much as the films that came before it. But like, I think even by like kind of looking back at it now, it is still pretty like glamorous and, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, heightened uh, to a, a big extent in uh, the battles movies. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Like the, you, you can see the, the, the germ of it. Cause this is what 1987, 86. Mm-hmm. So you, you can see the germ of that sort of that, that, that thought that he had about the Yakuza. Cause in this movie, the Yakuza guy, he's a guy who fakes giving a, like a, what a $500,000 loan to this businessman. And he, yeah. like he fakes doing that and he raises a scene at the tax collection office. He's just throwing his weight around and kind of looking pathetic while doing it. At least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just sort of a, so offended that anyone would call him a crook to his face. <laughs> uh, but that's just, that's just, that's the, the fiction. That's the, like, I don't we pretend the Yakuza are, are noble, but like they extort people and they take like protection money. Like, are you really protecting people? And, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's it's it can be a dangerous business. Well, yeah. Um, th- thanks for that background, actually. Uh, so normally what we do uh, when we talk about the cast and the director is if uh, it's a director we've talked about before, we usually say, oh, yeah, um, well, we'll refer to you to, um, you know, X episode where that director had shown up before. Um, but since. uh it's been a while. Um, might as well talk about uh, Jizo Itami a little bit. Um, uh, you know, Ed, of course, gave a, a little bit of insight into his death, but um, of course, he's had a, uh, a really long storied career throughout um, throughout his life, um, and uh, he um, is most notable for his uh, his his comedic movies, of course, Tom Popo, The Funeral. Um, but of course, then yeah, you know, you mentioned Mean Bo, Taxing Woman, and then the sequel, Taxing Woman's Return. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another movie that he did called Supermarket Woman mm-hmm. uh, that I would love to watch at some point. Um, it, it it sounds like a lot of fun, um, and uh, it has a Decatora in it, uh, Joey. So oh, nice, a <laughs> uh, <laughs> little bit of a. Uh, uh, enticing, uh, enticing thing there. <laughs> I'm, <you>. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the main two uh, the main two characters uh, in this movie um, are what I would call uh, Itami staples. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- the first, of course, being uh, Nobuko Miyamoto, who in in, uh, in addition to being like the lead female character in the last two movies that we've covered, Funeral and Tampopo, uh, she is also uh, Itami's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, up until his death. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, in, in addition to, you know, many, many, uh, Itami films, uh, she's also in, um, Tales of a Golden Geisha, which is a film that, uh, I feel like we've only talked about in the cast section of this podcast. Mm. And at some point I'd, I'd like to cover just because I've seen it so many times. Mm. Um, I'm not but, familiar uh, with that one. Yeah. It's, it's another Itami movie. Oh, okay. uh, it's uh, another comedy uh, so I, at some point when we want to cover another Itami movie, I might want to throw that one in the ring. 
Uh, and uh, the other, the other famous, uh, uh, famous Itami Ait is uh, Tsutomu Yamazaki, of course. Um, uh, and he's yeah. appeared in uh, a crap ton of movies, um, from uh, starting with High and Low, uh, all the way up to um, uh, A Long Goodbye, which happened, uh, which which came out last year. Um, and of course he's in funeral and tempopo. Mm-hmm. Tommy loves this guy. I was looking him up yesterday. Isn't, is he, is he, he's, he's in battles without honor and humanity too, isn't he? Um, uh, the, those movies have such a huge cast. I okay. wouldn't be surprised. Um, I just saw it on his, on his, uh, IMDb. I don't so, recall him being in the one that we covered, but he might've been in one of the sequels. So he's in new battles. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So the sequel series, I guess. Um, but he's also in uh, in the third, I believe it's the third Torasan movie. Torasan's yeah. Cherished Mother mm-hmm. is yes. that the second one. Uh, yeah, he plays a it's doctor. I think one. it's the Torasan's second one. Dear oh, Mother. Ch- Cherished Mother. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's the second one where you meet Tor's Cherished Mother. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he plays that doctor that's kind of a rival uh, in for the affections of the lady that Tor is in love with. Uh, a few other notable cast members, uh, Masahiko Tsugawa as Hanamura, um, Yasuo Daichi as uh, uh, Ichiwin, a.k.a. the uh, the Jack Nicholson. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Was that a reference to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I wonder. Yeah, um, okay. I, I think they, they might have been just talking about his hairline. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Honestly. Um, and uh, I couldn't find who plays uh, Ninagawa, the the um, the Yakuza boss. Oh um, yeah, he was great. But I thought he was quite good. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I was just gonna say in general, there were a lot of like small uh, or medium sized roles where I kept being like, man, I recognize that person. And then when I looked them up, they were in Tampopo. Like mm-hmm. so many people, like the old man that they save with the vacuum cleaner and the <laughs> etiquette uh, teacher um, is is the um, is uh, Yamazaki's wife. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Itami is sort of like uh, Osamu Tezuka in that he has a star system. <laughs> like he's he's like, yeah, I'm not going to bother recasting any yeah. uh, or, or, you know, looking at any casting sheets i'll just you know i'll just mishmash my uh my favorite guys and it works out too like that um, the woman who plays his uh like common law wife or whatever she's got very little screen time realistically but she has like one of my favorite shots at the end of the Mm. movie it's just when she's staring straight into the camera it's beautiful (laughs) oh yeah it's super good yeah, I love um, so, when directors use like kind of stables of actors because then it's kind of like a game, like who spot who you recognize, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, obviously Kurosawa is is very um, is very notorious for this too. Mm-hmm. So, um, bit of a synopsis. Uh, it focuses around uh, Ryoko Itakura, um, and um, she's a, a, an auditor, a really tenacious one. Um, you could call her a real pro. Um, and, uh, she, um, at the same time we're introduced to her and, uh, the other lead in this movie, Hideki, uh, Gondo, AKA, um, or, uh, 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 Tsutomu Yamazaki's character. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
So uh, he is a um, he owns a series of love motels and is also a real estate speculator. So he has um, he's also very he's a pro as well at um, at dodging taxes. Uh, and um, uh, at the beginning of the movie, we see a lot of what uh, Itakura does. Um, she is um, she's very polite in her candor, but she is also very ruthless when it comes to auditing. Um, <laughs> And at uh, uh, one point, um, she uh, ends up coming across uh, this owner of Love Hotels and uh, tells her boss, "I'd like to, I'd like to go for, I'd like to investigate this person." Um, so she meets up with uh, Gondo, uh, and um, uh, they are both basically uh, have a battle of how uh, look how good at I am at my job. Yeah, right. Let's catch me if um, you can. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And um uh she doesn't find anything. He's um he's pretty quick to cover his tracks. He's had done this song and dance before. Uh so um uh during this time they sort of like yeah, they they sort of develop a uh, a bit of a um a respect um for each other despite their um their opposing roles in this. Uh, so eventually, um, uh, she's promoted to, um, to, uh, in, in, a new office yeah. for government tax inspectors. So, uh, she's not just an auditor anymore. She is a, she's a full on inspector, uh, going on raids and such. And, um, eventually Gondo's name appears again. And she's asked if she, uh, wants to investigate and she's like absolutely freaking lootly let's let's do this <laughs> um so uh eventually uh during um during some raids uh she comes across a hidden room uh in gondo's house uh containing uh it was gold bullion um, in there yeah, there's yeah. like gold bullion and it's all um, kinds of stuff, and like files and computers and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and uh, and stamps, <clears throat> a lot of stamps, a lot mm -hmm. of stamps in this movie. Very, very important. Oh yeah, the hidden stamps and the like, um, and his <laughs> mistress's uh, yeah. tooth, uh, not toothpaste, <laughs> <the> lipstick. <laughs> he, right. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was awesome. They were <laughs> the, like that, that whole like the, the significance of that. Like it's 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 being strained right now because of all the work from home stuff. But like. You just you have to stamp things. That's just that's mm -hmm. the way it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. That that instigated, course, all the, instigated the argument between him and his original mistress. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all the while, of course, you see you know the philandering that Gondo's getting up to. You see his connection to uh, to uh, the Ninagawa family, the Ninagawa Yakuza family. Um, his uh, his strained relationship with his son Taro, um, who um, while uh, in her initial investigation itakura developed a rapport with playing uh, super mario brothers on the famicom and uh um yeah after after she uh sort of by accident discovers a whole mess of incriminating evidence um he is uh gondo is basically hounded every single day um trying to find the rest of it uh by other by uh by tax collectors and inspectors and mm -hmm. um itakura comes to him six months after the fact and uh she tries to tell you know she basically 
plays the good cop and says, hey, why don't you just tell me where the rest of it is just for the sake of, of Taro? Because I know that you're, you know, you're, you love him and you want what's best for him ultimately. And uh, he does a cool thing and a uh, cool, but also like, like, I don't know how this would work. Um, like uh, it, in terms of a, <laughs> a practical mm-hmm. standpoint, mm-hmm. but he uh, takes out a handkerchief and writes the name of his secret bank account in blood <laughs> and gives it to her. Well, yeah, I think and, he, um, and he, he, he asked her to come, come, come move in with him. But right before he yes. does that, yeah, I, I think it's because I think I honestly think that's because of the issues that he's been having with his son. Like, it's still not great. It sounds like. Yeah, but I, they had a certain rapport. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's plausible he is he would be into her the way he like and floats from woman to woman. Isn't that the yeah. handkerchief that he picks up from her mm-hmm. that yep. first time yep. yeah, they had hers. like dinner at his birthday or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, that's there, there's definitely some affection, mm-hmm. uh, at least on his side towards her. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting yeah. with her because they mention that she has a son who's being watched by her mother exactly once, and she goes to work mm-hmm. and he's never mentioned again. Yeah, uh, she uh, she gives him a call when oh, she's like okay. late yeah, at work. Yeah, she tells him to like microwave some noodles or something while she's at work late at night. Dumplings. She air. says, "You're a big boy now. You're you're five years old." Yeah, yeah. I was like I, I would not trust a five year old no. with a microwave, but <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little disappointed we never get to see your kid just because I love me some cute kids. Yeah, uh, as as evidenced by uh, Good Morning or Good Morning. Yeah, episode. I guess that was just supposed to kind of uh, accentuate how how much of a hard, dedicated worker she is. Mm-hmm. is that she's kind of leaving uh, her family in well, the lurch a bit. She's expected yeah. to treat her family like the men in her department treat their families. Mm. Which it, it has not improved that much in the last 30 years. Right. Yeah. I was going to say maybe that I, I don't know about the arc of women in the workforce in Japan well enough, but that may have been another like eighties commentary thing about professional women, uh, deciding to look for careers instead of taking mm-hmm. after family duties. Mm-hmm. I think divorce was a rather, um, well, at least women working after divorce was a rather novel concept, at least in the late eighties in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, is it actually stated um, why she uh, why she is a single parent? She it, they say it's divorce at one point, but yeah. they don't okay. elaborate beyond that. Yes, I, I suppose I missed that then. Yeah, but, but yeah, so uh, that's essentially cut in, the movie cut in a cut and dry sort of way. I, of course, I, I you know skimmed over some some of the more interesting parts, like when Ninagawa uh, visits the. Um, visits the uh the tax office but uh before we get to get to all of that um what did we all think of a taxing woman um uh ed i'd like to start with you sure i appreciated the social commentary aspect of the film uh and it's, it's like a series of vignettes it's not like it's not something that grabs your attention i think all the way through it's sort of a meandering mm-hmm movie but the performances i think carry it and they inhabit their characters so well it's like these characters like there's a deeper i think meaning there but there's sort of also this like there's a bit of a runaround as well with it um but overall i thought i thought it was was very good and um i don't know i'd give it like a i don't know if you rate movies but i give it like a three probably i i think it could (laughs) have i i always think it's my common saying about all movies they could be shorter but i think this mm-hmm. movie could have been about 10 minutes 10 15 minutes shorter <laughs> yeah it's a bit over two hours so it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty long yep yeah uh 
Uh, how about you, V? What do you think? Um, I, I'm also usually the one on here to complain about pacing and Japan's love of two plus hour movies. And I do agree with that, but I, I like the film a lot overall. There are a couple parts where it was just like, oh, come on, let's let's have some some progress. Uh, but I love the dynamic between um, uh, Nobuko and Tomu on screen. They're both great together just like they were in uh, Tampopo <clears throat> and like it was it's fun to me that this is like the most twee like criminal investigative movie I've ever seen in my life <laughs> like it's just bizarrely lighthearted and fun in a way that I just really loved like everything feels simultaneously important but also super low stakes and like mm-hmm. when when they're getting caught, it's all very comedic and not like it's not like some tense uh, uh, mm-hmm. like Godfather or Goodfellas type thing where it's like, oh, no, <laughs> things are falling apart. It is just comical. It's a very like slow and, um, you know, non-combative raid that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just let it happen. Man, these are these are shoes from auto factories. <laughs> yeah, I, God, that was so good. Uh, how about you, Joey? Uh, yeah, I think I would say it's like I thought it was solidly good. Um, and um, I think that I think it was interesting is that like the past two Itami films I've seen, Tampopo and The Funeral, like Itami kind of takes a subject and then wrings all the juice out of it, you know, <laughs> uh, it kind of really explores it from as many angles as possible. And this is a bit more narrative, so I thought it was going to be kind of different, but in a way it kind of is the same, but just with tax evasion and tax investigation, uh, where he's very, very thorough about like showing exactly how um, uh, Gondo's getting away with it and how she's um, breaking through and, and investigating things. And um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but in some ways that makes it a little bit of a cold film, like the, their relationship uh, between the main uh, characters, I thought was really great and warm. But those are the kind of like few moments that I really felt a lot of kind of like fun character uh, moments, whereas the rest was very kind of methodical and um, and, you know, and and uh, thorough. Um, but it does, it is still pretty fun. Um, most of the way, uh, there's like fun little quirks. And one of the things that's really fun about it is the soundtrack, uh, <laughs> yeah. has a very, I like, wanted to talk about that. Uh, yeah. I'd say Parker Lewis can't lose vibe to it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a yeah. very like kind of bouncy eighties synthy, uh, soundtrack, which is, uh, pretty fun. Um, but um, yeah. yeah, and some good good performances from lots of um, kind of small role actors and stuff like that. Um, and then the main characters, of course, uh, really shining through. It's funny that you mentioned like how 80s it sounds like it's it, it sounds like, like an American 80s movie. Yeah, uh, it made me which, think of Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it had it had that to it, didn't it? Um like there, there, there's like a recurring theme uh, throughout. Um, I liked it. Uh, the movie, by the way, uh, <laughs> I thought it was. Um, I was expecting it to be funnier, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but like you said, uh, Tsutomu and uh, Miyazaki, they're um, uh, 
their uh god their chemistry is so good and i'd watch a million movies with the two of them as a lead um the parts that like i thought were funny i thought were like were very like very like you know very funny like very uh cartoonish um i guess the uh uh, I, I wrote down, um, I sleep, I sleep in a racing car. What do you, what kind of bed do you sleep in when, um, they're raiding the love hotels? Oh, I, actually, I thought the, you were going to oh. say when she's like looking at his leopard that's in his oh. office. Oh, oh yeah. I, I wanted to say, I know who that, like, that's a joke about an actual wrestler. Like, yeah. Animal Takahashi. Animal, the, the actual wrestler's name is Animal Hamaguchi. He was a wrestler in mm. the eighties, but he's also a significant trainer. He's trained like, um, Tetsuya Naito and even a bunch of the guys from Los Ingobernables de Japón in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he's a significant trainer, but he was a big guy back. He was a big guy back in the eighties. He's the kind of guy you would expect would like need a loan from the Yakuza. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, that's super funny. I, I I I wrote down look up Animal Takahashi, but then I also thought to myself, Ed might just know who this person is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The uh, I thought that I, I was also wondering that during that extended scene where she plays Super Mario Brothers, like man, this must have been a really this must have been really great for Nintendo, like a, a real. Uh, <laughs> A real, a real great bit of product placement. It's interesting how they shot that scene because they shot it from behind the TV because you can't record a TV on a camera like that. And so they mm. intercut the video of like the direct screen, like cap video from the TV. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it this is a, a pet peeve I, I, that I have normally whenever somebody's playing a video game in a movie, mm. they're usually either usually using the wrong controller for the game mm. or uh, like there's bullshit noise coming out of it. It's and, always like Atari Pac-Man sound effects. Yeah. And in this one, it, no, that's a Famicom controller. That is Super Mario Brothers. That's the music. There's the, there's all the sound effects. They're at literally just playing it. Yeah. Um, that was kind of weird for me because like, uh, you know, Mario's so ingrained in culture and I was so exposed to it at such a young age that I almost don't think of it as a Japanese thing, even though, and mm. even though it obviously came from Japan. Um, and so it was just a kind of like, oh, wow, Mario, they've got Mario in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's actually interesting. I like that scene because of the way it pays off later where um, when yeah. she comes back and you, you can see how like the relationship with uh, Gondo and his son, you can tell by how the son is dressed, how strained it is. Like in his first scene, he's got this almost like a bowl cut and like a powder blue polo shirt and like khakis and he's playing a video game and he's like wearing all black and his hair is grown out and he's like, you know, trying to slink away. It's just like, it's just it's got uh, a shirt with a playboy logo on it. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just the atmosphere that like, there's no, there's, there's a great attention to detail in this movie. Well, I do want to, I, I really should have led with this, but the movie follows this really interesting format where, um, where it uh, cuts to different seasons. Mm-hmm. Like it takes place, the movie oh, yeah. takes place over the course of like about two years. Um, and uh, like maybe like a year and a half. Like from the and, first uh, scene with the old man, yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought that was super interesting. And they, and it's really only ever used as a framing device. Uh, and I think it's a cool way to, I thought it was a really cool way to show that time had passed. Um in particular for Taro and the fact that he looks a little bit older now, his hair is shaggy, clearly a high school student. And, um, you know, uh, sometime after, uh, whenever, um, Itakura and, um, 
and Gondo meet up, every time they meet up, it's usually like months and months afterwards. Mm-hmm. So they only ever they only ever see each other like maybe three times in the movie, but it's over the course of like a year and a half. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's months uh, in between all this. Um, I thought that was a really, really nifty framing device uh, for mm-hmm. him. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I have to say, one of the things I liked about this is it really shows the, um, the sort of the desperation at the heart of like, and then he, he sums it up at the end, but the desperation of like people who you hoard money, like they don't enjoy money. Like it sits in his safe. What does he do with it? He wants it for the sake yeah. of having it. Like, mm-hmm. and to, to prove that like, you know, just having the money is is the more important thing. I mean, you can buy a nice house, you could build something, but like you, you, the goal is to go out and make more money after that. Like that's just comfortable. You can come home and sleep there and then go make more money. Yeah, the way he brags about it at the very beginning is I made too much money. I made too much money. He just keeps saying that yeah. like oops, you know, and that's almost like him actually stating the truth. <laughs> you know, yeah. I am making too much money here. And his bit at the end about like the glass of water, yep. like using that analogy, <laughs> and then uh, that's a lot of water. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, well, things that we enjoyed. Let's talk about our favorite parts of the movie. And I, I it, it was really hard for me to nail down a particular one, but I would like to hear from you all first, um, in no particular order. Uh, well, let's have Ed go since okay. he's our guest. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the, the part where I knew I was going to love this movie, so this is the first big moment for me, was when that pachinko parlor owner has a breakdown and assaults her and cries <laughs> and goes stone face as she, like she's walking and she's like 20 meters away. It's like, I'd cry all day to save a million. And that's like, that's like, <laughs> yeah, like, like he actually had me there. Like I had, I wasn't sure. Like, well, yeah, I, I love the full response, which is like the, his, his accountant says is shocked. And he's like, you were faking. And he says, I wasn't faking. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, that was genuine. I, I would cry forever. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that, that was the moment I think I knew when I loved it. And, um, but and then, and then again at the end with the with the wife when she's caught at the, the, the at the nail salon and the scene between um, uh, the, bo- uh, the the boss inspector and her and like she's caught and she stares straight into the camera and she you see the terror like on her <laughs> face she's like okay I have to give up yeah it's just like and then faking him out with like the I, I got nervous I had to pee. <laughs> that's a nice thing about how intricate it is in showing all the steps of everything that they're doing to actually bust these people and Mm -hmm. the the steps that all the people are taking to try to evade being busted is that when everyone finally does get caught it's so satisfying Mm -hmm. and then I'm I'm thinking of like scenes that I actually enjoyed like the scenes with the bank that's probably the least essential scene in the movie like like harassing the bank manager and his boss to like these these are side characters these are her like her raid co-workers and some bank guy who doesn't even who barely knows the main characters like this is the kind of scene that probably could have yeah mm-hmm. been lost a little <laughs> yeah. and I, even though i enjoyed the scene though but it's like what are we doing here yeah <laughs> for me like the the scene that stands out to me as my favorite is the scene where she's having the heart to heart with the son towards mm. the end when she goes running after him and thinks that he's going to commit suicide and and then has a little kind of like talk with him in the field. Um, and they really do kind of hit it off and and have a kind of genuine, nice, warm moment. And I just that's what I really love getting from movies is feeling characters connect to one another 
and in a movie that is so procedural um that kind of like very human sweet moment stands out a lot to me and so that that ended up being probably my favorite scene what about you v um probably there this movie is very kind of like low-key throughout so not a ton of stuff really jumped out uh, at me except maybe the the pachinko parlor guy uh, which mm-hmm. i also adored um but i wanted to like you said that you didn't feel like there were many other warm moments in the movie but like something that that i really liked is her relationship uh, with her coworkers before she moved, because even though oh, there's yeah. such small scenes, mm-hmm. the the beginning scene when she is apprenticing the uh, the other woman, mm-hmm. uh, trying to like clue her in on things to look for and how to how to figure out how to bust these people with receipts and stuff. Uh, the running gag with her immediate boss and telling her about her cowlick, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then and then when she gets promoted to another division. Uh, he says something like, I feel like the father of the bride. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, uh, yeah, I didn't quite put my feelings into words as well. I, I, I wouldn't say that it's not warm. Actually, the whole movie is pretty warm. I just think it doesn't focus on um, emotions and connections between the characters as a main yeah. plot thing. Uh, as much yeah, as there's it no, is. no real depth to those yeah. to those relationships but I, I like that they give you like less of a sense of those relationships but of more of a sense of like what Ryoko is like and her relation like how other people react to her and mm-hmm. she seems like very charming to the people she's not trying to bust yeah definitely yeah the uh hmm Coming up with a favorite part is interesting for me because I wrote down raid montage in all yeah. caps in my notes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super fun. Uh, despite the fact that that first woman gets like incredibly humiliated. Um, but there is that, that tinge oh, of yeah. like that, that, that little punchline of Ryoko being like, uh, I found the key. <laughs> it was under the sink. <laughs> Poor guy but, had to, had to get his jacket all dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this is a very horny movie. Like, more yes. so even like like Juso um, Atami is just a very horny no, man. I, I love, I love yeah. like I feel like yeah. it's kind of spread out a little bit. Like uh, it's it's kind of like in in um, in um, Tampopo. There's just like a few scenes that you can point to and be like, wow. And then there's a little bit of that. And there's mainly kind of like one big scene in the funeral. But here it's like pretty evenly dispersed. Like. Uh, like, oh, we haven't had a, a shirtless woman in a while. Might as well <laughs> throw in a scene here. Yeah, she's yeah. a Tommy horny on Maine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting about Gondo's cons- uh, uh, con- consideration of like his conception of himself as like a sex symbol. This is a guy who has a wife, and he moves from mistress to mistress. And I feel like this is something that he gets. Like, this is what I think. This is what he gets the money for. Like mm-hmm. just to be like they have that feeling of being wanted all the time. And it's interesting, like they, they like he, he walks with a limp, obviously, but he's able to dance and he kicks the air at one point And he's obviously very mobile, even with the cane, because I feel like sometimes he plays it up when he's trying to get sympathy. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I feel like he leans on it more when uh, when, when they're like coming after him. Um, but it's like it's not it's not really commented on at all. But I feel like, um, you know, we don't usually conceive of like disabled people being like sex symbols or having mm-hmm. that animal magnetism. And he uh, like, I don't know. I think feel like part of his desperate grab for money is feeling like that. If that was gone, 
all of this would be gone. Like, yeah, yeah. So, someone, someone like me, someone with this issue, like because I have money, I can be somebody. So, I don't yeah, know. I it's, I, it's, it's, I, that's very unspoken in there, but I feel like it's an undercurrent. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I've been uh, trained by movies, uh, usual suspects, to kind of like feel like uh, I, I I suspected for a while that we were going to find out that the limp wasn't real. You know? Yeah. You know? um, yeah, yeah, it's that never it's, occurred to me. It's interesting to me. Yeah. Talking about how like he doesn't seem to to spend a lot of money, like his whole monologue at the end. His house is very nice, but it's pretty like understated but it's the people he associates with and like the apartments that he puts up his girlfriends in that have all this like crazy expensive ostentatious look to them mm-hmm. like those are those are the like sets that are very like 80s rich criminal mm-hmm. versus his house which is pretty nice but but pretty mm-hmm. normal well in regards to the type of people that he associates with uh i think my actual favorite scene in this movie is probably when uh, Ninagawa visits yeah. the, um, the tax office. Um, so it's it's funny that you mention that uh, Minbo is sort of about how real life Yakuza are just bumbling and not like, you know, that, you know, they don't have it all that together. Um, this movie might be just the, the damn precursor for it because not only does this guy get humiliated – um, of course, this I'm, I'm talking about the scene in the movie where Ryoko pours this like, uh, you know, she's like, can't we call the police? And the guy goes, well, not unless they break something or <laughs> or something or, or, you know, or willful destruction or, of property, sir. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so she's like, OK, I got this. She gives him a cup of coffee with salt in it and then sort of insults him until he throws it. And then she's like, call the police. Willful destruction of property. <laughs> I thought that was really great. Um, and then he says, you know, like, you know, I'll remember this. Of course, you never see him ever again. <laughs> Uh, and, and <laughs> like they go to the it, they go to the office later on, but I don't think he's there. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah. He is? Uh, okay. You see him calling uh, somebody that's presumably some kind of politician. Well, yeah, they've been dropping the leads. money for him in like in the shadow of the Diet Building from the beginning of the. That, that's actually another yeah. great shot. The shot of the Diet Building where they're dropping off the the, the payment of the the lackey. Um, yeah, but but then he, uh, Inagawa calls the politician and tells him to do something, and he calls the the tax and the the head of the tax bureau i guess and there's that scene that just like it's focused on him the the head of the tax bureau talking to the politician on the phone in the big empty like uh, i guess bullpen room and it just keeps zooming back forever and ever and i was like how big is this room this is starting to get comical <laughs> um but he eventually talks him down and it's like just just kind of downplay your involvement in this you we, i'm not going to cover it up for you yeah uh, and the, the funny thing is, like, during that scene, I was like, okay, so this is going to be the where the real conflict happens, like, later on in the movie. Like, this guy's going to come back and, uh, and and be a real thorn in their side. And nope, nope, not at all. I, like, <laughs> uh, I, having just watched a, uh, a full-blown Yakuza movie and then coming to this, I guess I was expecting something uh, yeah, right. more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we were, like, um, she would... She would get a bullet in her head, and then we hear the famous battle sting. I wonder what the audience who went into this movie thinking it what what it, what it was going to be like. Obviously, they know Itami Juzo. He had the successful tempo, but like, but this one, the like the Japan Academy Prize, right? It won the uh, film of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, and uh, Miyamoto won as well for her role in this. Mm. Um, 
So yeah. it must, I wonder if it's like a thing where like they hadn't really seen anything like this. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they had, but. Chad, I, the reception to this, like, I don't know what people thought going into it, but the reception was uh, phenomenal, both critically and apparently like this still gets parodied and stuff today. Uh, mm. Not, not to the, to the extent of battles about honor and humanity. Um, but like there's references to this in the Yakuza games. Um, there mm. were, were like um, spinoff things that got made from this. Uh, just searching around, there is actually a, a Capcom visual novel game for the Famicom that came out based on this. Um, that has, uh, because it's a visual novel game, you're not animating like a bunch of sprites jumping around on the screen. They've got like uh, headshots of the characters talking and they're all incredibly detailed. And I think probably got the likeness rights of the actors. <laughs> um, because, uh, uh, Go- Gondo is, I, I watched a bit of a playthrough and Gondo is actually missing from the game. Um, huh. there is, huh. he occasionally shows up in like weird silhouetted shots, like he's Dr. Claw or something, Interesting. Um, <laughs> but everybody else, uh, looks exactly like their actors and uh it still ends with her um the the game ends when you are in gondo's house and find the secret closet with all the money in it and then the final shot is her like looking over the railing at the city Uh, it's a very lavish reproduction um and i also found out that there is a like game book i i guess a kind of choose your own adventure type book um that had some cute art that was made for this as well. Interesting. Wow. That's pretty neat. I like it. Um, all right, let's talk about the Takashi Shimura Award. The uh, the uh, the actor uh, who um, whose performance um, you thought really really uh, made an impression on you in this movie. Uh, I guess Ed. We'll start with you since you are a guest. All right, so I'll pass. I'll I'll, I'll come back. Come back. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So, well, Alex, were you saying that the the Yakuza? I'm bad with names. That the Yakuza um, character's name was Kihachiro Ninagawa. Yes. Okay. So I found the actor for that. His name is Shinsuke Ashida. And as far as somebody who just like stands out and kind of steals a scene, I think I have to give it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, uh, you know, he's come up several times in this episode. Um, even though as we've kind of pointed out, we were surprised to find it that he has a more minor role in the film overall than we were expecting. And I think it's just cause he kind of commands, uh, the scenes that he's in, um, both intentionally and unintentionally as a sort of more comedic, uh, character too. Um, so yeah, I, I would, uh, give it to him. Shinsuke Ishida. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the name on uh, Asian Wiki, but I didn't have any linked, uh, any linked database yeah, of what he, he's been in. Yeah. He's been in a few, he was in Crazed Fruit, fruit and he's been in some stuff, but, um, and The Human Condition, but like, I don't know a lot of the movies that he was in, um, just scrolling up and down IMDb, but, um, yeah, uh, he he has a big career, like 150 movies or credits. Oh. Um, but that's the way it usually goes with the Japanese actors from the 60s and 70s. Um, oh. Yeah. I mean, 
my standout is actually going to be the pachinko parlor owner. Uh, that, that brief scene that he is in is just incredible. Uh, uh, Ninagawa would have been my, my second choice. Uh, and I, I love the affectation of him always being like of the Kanto Ninagawa family. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, pachinko scene is just a lot of fun and i like the that payoff like punchline and uh that actor is shiro ito which when looking around uh it makes me even more excited to eventually watch lupin the third strange psychokinetic strategy because he plays uh Zenigata. and uh kuni oh, tanaka wow. plays um keegan yeah 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 yeah, yeah. One piece, one piece fans. Uh, the trailer <laughs> for that movie is amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty bonkers movie. Yeah. Anyway, um, as, as far as me goes, uh, I was going to say that Miyamoto as uh, Ryoko was my standout. Yeah, uh, she's great. Her performance she's, is great. She's absolutely magnetic. Um, there's that one scene where her and her um, her partner are uh, doing the stakeout, and he puts his hand around her and she like she immediately sits up straight like her, her body language is absolutely like uh she glows like it's it's crazy good um but uh my standout performance like for her uh is that scene where she's talking to taro um mm-hmm. after she saves him basically your favorite scene joey yeah that's, that's great. my takashi shimura um like her specifically in that in that scene is what like made me go yeah um but uh yeah nina gawa that guy um i didn't even consider him and i feel like an idiot because he is like he he does command every scene that he's in and he has and him and the pachinko parlor both have these really gruff voices that i don't think are their natural speaking voice <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah Um, something I love about Miyamoto's performance in this is that like from the beginning of the movie, you kind of get this impression that she is going to be like strong female character. I'm the career woman and I'm serious about everything. And she's really dedicated and good at her job. But she, you also see her in moments where she is like silly, where she's like scared of the dog. Mm -hmm. She, where she plops down on the floor to play Nintendo in the (laughs) middle of like talking to somebody for an investigation. Like she's just like, she just feels like a very real and likable person. Uh, and I also love the freckles that she, that they give her throughout the whole movie. She's just like super likable and adorable. You know, for this, for this segment, I always kind of like try to like, my first instinct is always to avoid the main cast and be like, okay, who was one of the minor characters that really stood out to me? But like, I think it's totally legit to sort of be like, you know, they cast the best person in the lead role to like really, (laughs) to really like guide the movie. And yeah, she's excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, So I I think like, I I love that scene with Nagawa, but the just, um, was it Tomo Miyazaki or what's his name? Yamazaki? Uh, yeah. Tsutomo Yamazaki. Yeah, as Gondo, his, like, his, the thing that drives him, like, he has this pathological need. And it's not even, again, it's not like he even in, in necessarily enjoys it, but he has this need to sort of acquire money. And he has this, like, he doesn't even understand it fully himself. It's this gnawing pit at the center of him. And, f- coming into contact with this tax auditor, tax inspector, like 
I feel like he doesn't respect a lot of people because he always feels like he can get one over in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like he comes through to respect her and not. I don't know if he, he doesn't really change at all, but he's just sort of this. I think he has a better understanding of of himself at the end of the movie. If he's still a bad guy, like he, he's got this a little bit of a redemption, but not mm-hmm. but not. He doesn't want to change that much. Like yeah. he has a little bit of just a little bit of introspection at the end of it. Um, yeah, I love that last scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, one more scene at the beginning I wanted to mention uh, where she's auditing that uh, little mom and pop shop and teaching them how they yeah. how they evaded taxes and like that's like it's, it's that's a kind of an important scene for like her like what am i doing going after these small people i have to go after like this isn't what i wanted to do when i started this job i want to go after <laughs> i want to actually do something that matters and i feel like this is her sort of figuring out what she wants to do with this career that she sort of has to have now because divorce is a thing mm-hmm. yeah well, that little old lady basically tells her that too, right? She tells her, "Why don't you go and like you're nice, but you're a you're a bloodsucker, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. go, go, why don't you why don't you go after actual criminals, not and not you know uh, people us or people are trying to just get by." Mm-hmm. But of course, I guess this is also social commentary for yeah. the uh, the incredibly high tax rate that was right. in Japan. Well, and also, as we well. see it like. Um, you know, rules for the little people, you know, I, I forget which, what, which, you know, fascist politician said this, but like, you know, for my friends, everything for my enemies, mm. the law, <laughs> my enemies get the law. The little people get to deal with the law. You know, the big guy, you get a favor. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, shall we dance? Uh, can this movie be remade as an American, uh, American remake movie, mini series, or otherwise? And uh, if you want, who would you cast? Mm. Uh, an American I think it answers ad- pretty well. Uh, I was, I was going to wonder if the American adaptation would be far too sympathetic to the guy with all the money. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, it's not. And they probably would end up together. Uh, yeah, I, that that was my thought when thinking about this. Is that like they wouldn't be able to to maintain the same tone uh it would either be like more of a like goofy comedy or a romantic comedy where they actually do end up together at the end um because i think this is just like too twee and like weird and unfulfilling unless it was like uh uh, some kind of uh indie movie Mm -hmm. to have that kind of tone to it um but uh, in my head that when like rolling around, like who would cat be cast for this? Uh, it was, uh, Elizabeth Moss and John Hamm <laughs> seem like good fits for the, both because they are also, uh, actors who have worked together and have a kind of like working rapport with each other. But also like, I feel each of them would be a pretty good fit for the, like the, the attitude of each character. Yeah. John Hamm has that like, Charisma, but also kind of like slime ball yeah. uh, quality. That's so good. I'd like to see him lose thirty pounds and walk around with a cane for a while. <laughs> yeah, man, that'd be a, that'd be a good role for him, actually. Um, yeah, I, I had no other thoughts other than yeah, at the end they'd get together for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it, <laughs> and and the mob ties probably wouldn't even be a thing. Um, Yakuza, like you can kind of see it in some of the the media of the time, but like they were so much more 
ingrained in society even than like the American mafia was like mm-hmm. the American mafia. It was there and everyone knew about it, but like they wouldn't, they didn't have like fan magazines. They didn't have fan clubs. There wasn't all this like, um, there was mythology around it, but like there wasn't so much self myth. Like it wasn't mass market media culture to have like, I don't know, all this normalization of like gangsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, any other thoughts? Uh, just one stray uh, thing that we didn't c- completely uh, talk about it. That my kind of backup favorite scene. I wanted to talk a bit about the um, the birthday dinner. Uh, I thought was also very sweet, and I love how it's called back uh, when they meet each other um, again, and they say, you know, congratulations, Omega Toe, and then he's like, every time we see each other, we're telling each other Omega Toe. I thought that was, that was <laughs> fun. Yeah, I thought that was cute, that scene. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's a fun movie. Um, you know, um, a bit of a slog occasionally with the super intense procedural stuff, but that stuff was also pretty interesting. So I give it a pass. And a lot more microfiche in this movie than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird how it kind of would go. Like talking about like remaking it from for an American's perspective, like it would really like go from the idea of these be people being kind of paper pusher tax people to them, like digging through dumpsters that are like going to the dump and like digging through trash that they tracked through a stakeout and stuff. And it, it really kind of ran the gamut of what you expect these people to be able to do. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that we covered this. Um, and, uh, well, what do we have on deck for the next episode, Joey? Next episode is another listener request um, that unfortunately I don't have uh, at, the fin- at my fingertips. Uh, we'll mention them next episode, but we're going to be um, covering Zatoichi the Fugitive, the fourth Zatoichi movie from 1963. And um, yeah, this is going to be our first official episode talking about the Shintaro Katsu um uh, Zatoichi. We previously covered the Beat Takeshi one uh, way back uh, early on in our um, show. So I'm looking forward to it. We kind of figured we did all watch the first uh, Zatoichi back then and, and talked about it somewhat during that episode. So we wanted to kind of jump ahead and cover one of the later entries. And um, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking about this one with you. I think it's, it's a kind of like very beautiful uh, beautifully visual one. Yeah. Um, it's also worth noting, um, that, uh, that movie can be found on the criterion channel or, um, if you have, uh, some money to spend and you like physical media, there is a absolutely gorgeous box set of all the Zatoichi films, uh, by criterion. Um, so next time they have one of their sales, uh, get on that. It's, uh, it's, it's really a great, mm-hmm. uh, set. Um, yeah, I love it. And you know, and you're, there's no shortage of great movies on there to watch. Um, okay, well, uh, thank you for coming on, Ed. Uh, where can the good people find you? Sure, um, I am at Edward E One Piece on Twitter, and you can listen to me on the One Piece podcast. And my side Twitter account is Weeb Trailers. If you want to see old anime movie trailers, uh, I did do a couple of live action ones. I think the loop on the third one is one of them, but. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, uh, there's some interesting interesting things out there. Now that I have a disc drive that I can get uh, some trailers off my Blu-rays, I'll never run out. Nice. 
Uh, you can also hear me on the One Piece podcast every week, um, as always. Uh, and, uh, of course, Twitter.com. Uh, I'm, I'm on there at Dude Exclamation, all one word, um, as also, also my side account, Weeb Simpsons. And uh, please check out SuperArtFight.com. Uh, I am doing live sh- or, uh, streaming shows uh, with them on Saturdays, and it's a, a lot of fun. Um, if you've never seen it, it's basically Pictionary meets pro wrestling. Uh, it's, it's a lot of, it's a real good time. Please tune in to that. Um, superartfight. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Superartfight.com or twitch.tv slash superartfight. Uh, V, where can the people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Riskachat, uh, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Um, I think I'm going to start watching and talking about a bunch of horror movies again. Uh, probably not with the same pace that I did last October where I was covering one a day. Uh, but I just keep hearing about a lot of good stuff and a lot of old stuff that I want to catch back up with. Um, so yeah, I'll be exploring that and check me out. Nice. And I'm, uh, Joey Weiser on Twitter and Joey Weiser comics on Instagram. Um, I'm also occasionally on the One Piece podcast. Um, in fact, as we're recording this, this uh, the newest episode, uh, episode 618, the Animal Crossing Pirates. Uh, I'm a guest on that episode. Um, so you can check that out um, if you're into One Piece uh, and want to hear three of our voices on there. Um, and Instagram's got all my art and illustration work. Um, and please check out the Merman graphic novel series as well as Ghost Hog, the self-contained graphic novel. And as for Toho Yaro, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Toho Yaro or like us on Facebook. Email us tohoyaro at gmail.com and like, rate, and review. And uh, we'll see you next episode with Zatoichi the Fugitive. discerning woman. She picks her men with care. A powerful man. Nothing is stronger than his passion. An exciting woman. She always gets a response. A mysterious man. No one knows all his assets. An aggressive woman. She loves the thrill of the chase. A romantic man. He has a yen for her, but he won't tell her where it's hidden. A taxing woman. From the director and stars of Tampopo. Coming soon from Original Cinema.